I am going to warn you, I'm going to try really hard not to sneeze in the middle of it, but <laughs> your editorial skills are going to be trusted there. <laughs> he can't be trusted. It's fine. Never. Never. Never, never trusted. <laughs> never. Do you like sitting that way better? I do, because yeah. I can have actual eye contact now. I was uh-huh. I was sitting with my back to the window, oh, right. and so I had to, like, I was like this, and I had to turn like this and try to look at and talk in the mic, but now I'm here, and this is amazing. I love this so much. There you go. Yeah. Now we can actually have a conversation with you. And yeah. I feel yeah. like, yes. Yeah. Now we can get all up in Star Wars. And, and like, we can yes. look at you and see if you're paying attention Indeed. to us yes. or on your phone. That, that way... Uh, hey, know, this time when we start, don't forget to turn off your mic because we don't want to hear when Rachel comes in no, here to listen, give you keys. Um, Did I tell so, you about that? Huh. So I was listening to an episode. Three times I had she to edit had this thing. Edit, edit an episode three times after it had been published because the intro, I was like, no, I can't do that for the intro. No, we don't need to, we need to change that. <laughs> then the second time, maybe it was just two, but the second time I started listening to it and like I hear something. Like every now and then, like you'll turn your mic off later. Yeah. And I can hear like clicking on the mouse, and I'm like, okay. Yeah. But then the clicking kept going, and then I heard the door go. Yeah, and keys jingle, and. And I'm like, Rachel just came in, gave you your keys. Yeah. She left. Yeah. I could hear the bell ring, so the door wasn't closed. Then I can hear people outside. Then she came back to give you the keys back. So I'm like, hey, Megan, can we edit that? Turn your mic off, because you can do that afterwards, right? Because it's a different track. So I record all four tracks, and then I just mute mine afterwards. It was hilarious. It was really funny. It was a little step that I forgot. Yeah, I was like, me again, so sorry. Seven, my 7.30 text messages, I'm sorry. That's when I listen. Okay. All right. You're good. You're good. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the My College Story podcast. I am Miranda Davis. And I'm Brian Motto. And we are the College Advising Office at All Saints, and today we are interviewing another career alert guest. Yes, one of our most popular uh, career interests, right? And so we have a uh, special guest to lead us through. Who's our guest today? So we are here with Dr. Rachel Mason, who is has a very long title. I'm going to try to make sure I get it right for oh, goodness. you. Okay, she is the Associate Professor of Chemistry, Assistant Chair. Uh, Chief Health Professions Advisor and the Joint Ad, uh, Admission Medical uh, Profession Faculty Director at the University of Texas at Tyler. Or just JAMP. JAMP, correct. So yeah, that's, JAMP. A, that's a lot of names. It is a lot. Welcome. Thank you for being here. I'm very welcome. I'm happy to be here. It's good to speak with your students earlier, so I'm glad to be back. Yeah. So, yeah. so for those of you listening, Dr. Mason was here, I guess now maybe three weeks ago. Uh, to speak to our juniors about this, and it was so valuable that we felt like we needed to record it. So, so thank you for coming back. Sure, no pressure. So, no. Yeah. <laughs> so, tell us, give us a little bit about your background and educational experience, and maybe how you kind of got to where you are right now. Sure, I didn't intend to be where I am right now, so that's kind <laughs> of a weirdness there. So, my undergraduate and my master's degree are actually in chemical engineering, and wow. I finished that up and went out and worked in industry at, at a defense contractor in their research and development department, where I got to make batteries for aerospace and military applications. It was really cool, and then I, I decided, mean, okay. it was really that's really cool. You can't yeah. un, you can't play low play that. No, no, it really it, was cool. Yeah, like it was a great <laughs> job. It was such 
such a good job, I decided, mm-hmm. hey, I really want to keep doing this, but I'm going to need to get a doctorate so that I can really play in this in this game. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I went and left a perfectly good engineering job to go get a doctorate. But I worked for a professor that was kind of at the end of his career, um, his second to last graduate student. And um, so he wasn't writing a lot and didn't have a lot of uh, money for us. So I had to teach a lot when I was a graduate student, Mm -hmm. but I found out I really enjoyed it. It wasn't something I meant to do, Mm -hmm. um, but I had a lot of fun with it. So then when I finished my doctorate, I was like, oh, okay, I should go try this for a little while. And I'd shifted gears a little bit. My doctorate's actually in chemistry rather than um, engineering. So it was a little easier to get a faculty position. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, oh, I'll go teach till it's not fun anymore. So that was 11 years ago, and I'm still waiting on it to and here we not are. be fun. Here we it's still fun. <laughs> yeah. So I, I teach chemistry at UT Tyler, um, and then recently our pre-med advisor took a new position, and so he said, hey, I think you would be good at this. I already did a lot of just generic advising for our chemistry and biochemistry students, and I was like, well, I really don't know a whole lot about this Mm -hmm. but so I went to a bunch of I started going with him to a bunch of training sessions and um, learning about it and it's really it really is exciting and fun so I kind of fell into Mm -hmm. it but it's really good now it's a lot of what I what I do that's awesome so where tell us where your undergrad and graduate uh, PhD programs where where did you complete those so my undergrad was at a small private liberal arts school in the University of Tulsa so the smallest division one school Um, but the golden hurricane yes oh I like it you left the s off the end good job that's singular it is he he went on a college visit there so Tulsa is one of our favorite we love Tulsa Um, we have a couple students there right now or no just one just one just one in their in their athletic training program Mm -hmm. which is Oh, of excellent. course, very good program in, yeah. in the crunchy. Um, but uh, yeah, no, great place. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, oh no, that's good. And then um, I had kind of a weird graduate experience. I, I selected my graduate advisor before I selected the graduate school because <laughs> okay. in the job that I had, I was running a lot of subcontracts with um, different uh, PhD programs across mm-hmm. the United States that were doing research for us. And so I called the advisor that I ultimately went with and said, hey, I'm kind of thinking I might get a PhD. So could I come work for you? And he was like, yeah, yeah, you know, I think we could do that. So um, so my doctorate is from the University of Oklahoma. Okay. There you go. All awesome. Right. Awesome. Well, very cool. Okay. So getting into the meat of this, um, as high schoolers are, many of our high schoolers are aspiring to be in the, the health industry somewhere, right. whether that's as a physician or, you know, nurse practitioner now, PA, physical therapy, um, not not as many occupational therapy folks, uh, a lot of dentists. Okay. Mm-hmm. So lots of, lots of options out there. Um, what specific courses as high school students would you tell them that they need to take to really be ready to go into the college um, setting and be be ready to be uh, be successful. Sure. So if you're going to go into any of these healthcare fields, obviously a strong science background mm-hmm. is going to be good. So the biology, chemistry, 
physics, math, those classes that you can take are great. Uh, but a thing, another place a lot of people don't think about is l load up on the English writing classes as well, because preach, that's going to be preach. a huge yeah. part of what you're <laughs> of what you're doing and um, and being successful at. And whatever you can do to read is going to be good too, because these classes are all going to have lots of stuff that you're going to have to read. And the further up you're going in the classes, the more learning that's your own responsibility and mm -hmm. that you have to do. And if your reading skills are not up to par, you're just giving yourself kind of another hurdle to come over with. And oh. myth number one about I, being a pre-med student has been... Yeah, <laughs> Nathan, I think we've got what we need today. All, so we're going to shut gonna, it down. Gonna go, Wrap it up. No, yeah, we're good. We're good to go. Okay. That was, that was awesome. Thank you. It's, oh, it's, it's wonderful to hear that from somebody other yes. than us. Yes. So that's great. Um, all right, question number two, and this is a big one. I want to major in pre-med. Well, that's nice, but you can't do that. I can't? What do you mean? <laughs> very, very few places <laughs> actually have a pre-med major. Because if you get a degree in pre-med, Brian, what are you going to do if you don't get into med school? Who is going to hire a pre-med? What job is that? That is a question I've never heard anyone say ever before. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, medical schools, dental schools, vet schools, those schools, they don't actually care what your specific major mm -hmm. is. They want to know that you had the prerequisite coursework. So they want to make sure you have their little list of classes and they want to make sure you have a degree. They want to know that you know how to think and learn and that you can complete what you set out towards. So my best advice to you is think about what you would do if medicine or dentistry or whatever it is that is that you want to do what if that just didn't exist? Mm -hmm. What else would you do? Because you're going to spend the next four years focused on this thing. And so it better be something that you enjoy and it's passionate about. Now, you're going to love every class that you go to. But if every day getting up is like, oh, I hate all my classes all the time, you're not going to be motivated and you're not going to do well. And your GPA is really important and it's not going to mm -hmm. be good if you don't care about what you're doing. So pick something that excites you and that you enjoy doing. But it doesn't have to be chemistry or biology or whatever. Now, there are a lot of fields and majors that your prerequisite courses and your required courses are going to be the same courses mm -hmm. and do a double duty. And that's why you see things like chemistry, biology, biochemistry be so popular. But if what you would do is be a school counselor, if you couldn't be a doctor, then head towards education or yeah. psychology and get that stuff done because those can be good careers too. And we actually see a lot of medical schools, they look at 100,000 applications from biology majors. And in a lot of cases, being something a little different can actually play in your favor because it's not the same thing they're seeing. They're not being like, oh, this is the 14th biology application I read today. Mm -hmm. You know, they're like... Oh, hey, French literature, you don't see that a lot. And if yeah. your background is solid, then it's not going to hurt you. Any. Well, it's a different set of skills that you bring to the program as well. Absolutely. And one of the things that we see that medical schools have really started doing is there's a, what they're calling a diversity essay. And it's not about the, your demographic being diverse, but the prompt is something along the lines of, what are you bringing to your fellow students that if we picked you for this class, your classmates would benefit from? So, okay. you know, whether that's yeah, like, I, like I taught yoga all the time, uh -huh. so now everybody can do yoga or, you know, whatever those diverse life experiences are. So when you're coming from different backgrounds, sometimes that, again, can also stand out as something that you're yeah. doing that's a little different. I like it. Fantastic. Thank you. In there, you <laughs> mentioned 
you know, you'll be doing this for the next four years. And I think one of the, um, one of the, the unknowns to our students is just the timeline of okay. what this looks like. Right. And so, um, so I, I graduate from high school, I go to my undergrad and typically that's four years. But so tell us about that timeline in there of you're majoring, you're doing your prerequisites, but then you, you're taking this lovely thing called the MCAT at a certain point and then applying to medical school. So, um, or professional school. What what does that timeline look like? Right. So I think a lot of students think it looks just like high school, right? We did mm. four years of high school, and then somewhere in my junior year, I started getting panicked about needing medical school. And then I really focused on that, or needing a college. I really focused on that my senior year. So the timeline for undergrads are, is a little different headed into some of the professional schools. So for things like medicine, dentistry, vet, pharmacy, PT, we're going to kind of follow this timeline where you're coming in, you're getting that background stuff doing your freshman year. Let's just transition. Let's get in school, get your Mm -hmm. feet on the ground, know where to find the cafeteria, how to get food, (laughs) that kind of stuff. As you're moving into your sophomore year now, we're really encouraging you to start working on community service, start working on some of the shadowing things you need to be do. Um, Start spending some time with your faculty a little more than you did your freshman year so that you can start cultivating people and good relationships Mm -hmm. for those letters of recommendation, that kind of stuff. You need to have community service. That doesn't have to be medical related. It can be anything. What they're looking for is a sustained commitment to something. So whether that is tutoring or cleaning out kennels down at the SPCA or if it is rolling wheelchairs at the hospital, those are all great, just something that you're doing regularly Mm -hmm. and you're committed to. You're also looking for some shadowing hours. The time to figure out that you're a little queasy um, isn't in the middle of gross anatomy lab already at medical school. <laughs> the time to find that out is before you even get there. Yeah. So be doing some shadowing with doctors and shadow or dentists or whatever the profession that you're seeking is. But while you're shadowing, don't only watch and see what's happening to find out what's going on, but ask good questions about what the lifestyle looks like, mm-hmm. how what was their own journey to get there. In reality, what how much time are they spending at home and with their family? Um, because you want to know that that lifestyle is going to mesh with what the rest of your lifestyle goals are. So if this is a discipline that you're going to be on call three days a week until you're 65, you need to know that means you're probably going to miss some of those Mm -hmm. high school football games or whatever. If that's good with you, then that's a great spot. But if you're somebody who needs that, then you may need to look at switching to a slightly different um, discipline. So you want to ask those kinds of questions too about just what does the lifestyle look like in that area? Those people can be good for letters of recommendation. If you do any of the dentistry, medicine, pharmacy, that stuff, you're going to need a letter of recommendation from somebody in the field Mm -hmm. um, because that is going to tell the schools that you really are cut out to to do that. So that's going to kind of be the end of your freshman, into your sophomore, through your junior, senior year. You're going to be doing that the whole time frame. Now, here's where it gets tricky. So the medical school, dental school, pharmacy, all those, the application process is really almost 14 months long. Oh, my gosh. So you're actually going to apply the summer between your junior and senior year. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to graduate in your senior year in May and then start medical school in August, you're going to actually have applied that May after your junior year. 
Wow. Okay. So the application goes through the summer, mm-hmm. and then interviews start in the fall, and then decisions are coming, offers and decisions come in the spring. So you're squared away and committed um, kind of in that spring of your senior year, but you started that way back in your junior year. But you have to have that MCAT score or DAT or OAT or PSAT or PCAT or that score has to be before you apply. So you need to be taking that really in maybe January of your junior year. Mm-hmm. So you need to get all the core stuff completed before then. You can still have a few prerequisites hanging out there for your senior year. Um, so you need to be kind of doing that. Now, MCAT, DAT, OAT, all that stuff, we recommend about 300 hours of prepping. So just on a base level, that's an hour a day for a year mm-hmm. if you're just doing an hour. But even if you cut that down to say, you know, that you're going to do two or three hours, you're still looking at four to six months of prep time. So you've got to include that, which means you really need to plan early because you don't want that fall junior year to just be the killer course load because that's really where you're doing a lot of that MCAT prep. Wow. Time management is also a characteristic that comes in my mind for pre-med students. I heard a whole lot of reasons in there why I'm not Mm -hmm. a doctor. Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) All right. That that is wonderful information. Thank you. Okay. So next, let's see. Hold on. I've got to look at my, my outline here. I got lost. Um, so what characteristics, so you, you obviously are working with a lot of students, you see them a in class, but then you're working with them on the application process and and advising them through that. What are some of the characteristics you see in your students who, who really have success in this process? So obviously they need to have academic success. So they've got to have the time management skills, like Miranda said, um, and the commitment to doing well in those courses. But another big thing is critical thinking skills are huge. You've got to kind of be able to break stuff down and do some problem solving. The med schools like that, but you like that in these courses that you're taking as well that are going to kind of help you be successful there. And none of this is going to be easy. So you're going to have to be somebody who can kind of handle some setbacks along the way and still be able to move forward. And all of these kids that are really doing it are pretty self-motivated because it's great if you come from a long line of doctors and you're going to be a fourth or fifth generation doctor, but if it's not what you want, Mm -hmm. that is so much work that you're doing to do something that you don't want to do. Um, So you can't want to go into one of these fields because that's what your parents want for you or that's what the community around you thought or that you've decided that's sort of the definition of success. For you, it has to be you want to do it because you want to be a dentist because um, it's going to be difficult as you move through. So I think probably that's maybe the biggest one that you have to do. And again, I, I think this doesn't get out there enough. This whole application process that you're doing is writing a lot of essays. Mm -hmm. And so students who are able to express themselves well, both orally and in writing, are going to kind of have a leg up on what's going on with it. So just the ability to be able to identify what you want and kind of express that is 
unimportant yeah. part. Because it's, it's, it's not just writing the essays. You also have a lot of interviews. You do. So you have to be able to articulate that to a human yeah. <laughs> face-to-face. And it makes sense, too, because if you're going to be a doctor, it's probably going to be useful if you can interact with your patient and explain the protocols exactly. that you want them to follow for treatment and also be able to listen to what mm-hmm. they're doing. So those skills are skills that are going to move you forward in the profession as well. Yeah. Off-script question just popped in my brain. Are there any weed-out classes? Oh, there's tons of weed-out classes. So I was always told organic, organic. was the first one, right? Yeah. Organic chemistry <laughs> is just the, the brutal one. But what, yeah. what else is out there that, that tends to, you know, if you can get past this? Yeah, so organic is definitely the the big one that's kind of that that's organic's usually a sophomore level class and it's a big jump from your general chemistry mm-hmm. and general biology up to organic so that's a pretty serious class if you can survive that on the biology side i would say that's probably maybe microbiology is sort of the one that is a pretty hardcore physiology is a tough class to get through but that tends to be a junior senior level mm-hmm. class and a, so a lot of people, when, by the time they get there, they really have the skills to do it. I think the yeah. reason organic is is so tough is it's sort of the first class that you're getting a lot of information really quickly that is different from what you've sort of seen before. Yeah. And you're expected to really step up and and do it. And it's and it's a tough class. Um, for sure. I mean, I personally loved it so very much that I took organic one twice. Um, so I guess which is the other message, like there is space. You can still be a successful person if uh-huh. you, or at, at least I'd like to think I'm somewhat a successful human. Um, Absolutely. Even, even rocking it. And I will tell you, I've never worked as hard um, for a class as I worked for that D in the first time I took <laughs> organic one. But um, yeah. So it's just a tough, you know, it's a tough class. Mm -hmm. And I guess I would say, too, there's not a whole lot of room for error if you're on that medical school track, but there is some space that you can kind of recover from as as you come through, um, particularly if it's an early mistake. And that's one we get a lot. Do I have to have a 4.0 to go to med school? I've had a lot of tears in my office of people that, you know, I got to be and it's it's over. And no. It's not over. We can, <laughs> oh my gosh. we can survive that and build back. Um, but yeah, I think org- organic and and micro and physio are probably the big kicks. Biochem these days is tough too. But again, it's it tends to be. We Later want you on. to take it before the MCAT, but take it you know that junior year the upper and, level. Yeah, okay. people kind of have it. But I think it's that just sort of step from that big jump. Jump, yeah, and Ooh. that makes right. organic so. Such the terror. Yeah. <laughs> so you talked about, as an undergrad, the shadowing and, and the community service, et cetera. What are some things right now that you might tell a high school student that, hey, if these are things you're thinking about, what are some things outside of school that they could do to, to help prepare? Oh, yeah. Awesome question. So anything you can do to explore careers early on is great because... You know, I think there's a lot of pressure when you go into college. You're like, what do you want to be? What are you going to do? What are you going to major in? Mm-hmm. What, are you, what, are you, what are you doing? And when you get to college, you maybe pick this major and you're not 100% sure. You, you know, it looked good in the catalog, so you mm-hmm. grabbed it. But as soon as you step on campus, you know, your faculty are all about mentoring you into that career. And maybe if you're not so sure. So 
I always think marking things off the list is just as important as mm-hmm. putting stars next to the other stuff. So anything you can do to kind of help explore different careers is good. And we are so fortunate in Tyler for students who are interested in health fields. Our hospitals have amazing programs for high school students. So head on over um, to Christus and talk to Annette Garcia over there and get into the STARS program that she's got. It's amazing way to not just help your community through some Mm -hmm. service at the hospital, but she'll get you set up with people to shadow now. And you can ask those questions and see what it looks like. And then over at UT Health, that's um, Cassie used to be Anderson. She just got married, and I can't remember what her married name <laughs> is now. Um, but head over and see Cassie, too. Their program isn't for high school students isn't quite as structured, mm-hmm. but she is happy to use high school volunteers, and she can also get you set up in some clinical situations where you can watch and see what's going on. Um, and then harass all the people around you annoyingly. <laughs> like, you know people in the field because yeah. you know this field existed. Like, you heard of it somehow, which means you probably know somebody in that field. So if those people are at your church or they're your Boy Scout leaders or Girl Scout leaders or whatever, your best friend's mom mm-hmm. or have those conversations with them about what is it like really and, you know, and what's going on. And then we also have a lot of different camp opportunities that are happening. UT Tyler is hosting a camp um, for high school students that are interested in health fields, and it'll be a broad range. The target of it is sort of birth to death. So we'll see what happens in um, early pediatric care all the way through talking to some folks at the hospital and down to the morgue. Um, And what are healthcare careers that Mm -hmm. happen all that way. And there's also an internship program for older students. So you have to be over 16 um, to, or sorry, you have to be 17 or older um, in order to participate in the summer internship program out at the UT Health Science Center. And that puts you in a clinical setting, but also in a medical research setting. So mm. some people kind of get into it, know they want to have something to do with medicine and are like, I don't know that poking and prodding and interacting with bodies is really my thing and actual people's, but so maybe doing medicinal research um, works or biochemical research. So those are some opportunities that are coming up in this area. But anything you can do to just get more exposure to those types of careers you think Uh you might want and find out like, oh yeah, that's definitely for me or no, not so much for me is, is great. Yeah. You use the R word a couple of times there, the research word. How integral is, is research experience going into medical school um, to have on the resume? So it's important, but not imperative. You're not going to not get in if you don't have Mm -hmm. it. But increasingly we're, we're kind of seeing the same sort of thing Um, even in in medicine, the broader your experience you can kind of get before you go in so that you really know that the practice of medicine is what you want to do is going to be good. And also just having those research experiences helps hone those critical thinking skills. And particularly for dentistry, anything that you do that is going to give you additional skills with manipulating your hands is going to be important. So they really like seeing that you did a lot of lab work or research in your lab that was, you know, pouring and, and pinching and moving and doing things with your hands because digital manipulation is a huge part of dentistry. So that becomes really important. And then you build those relationships when you're researching with somebody. You're 
obviously delving into a topic more, but you're also building that relationship with that person that is going to write a lot, you know, a stronger letter that can really address you really personally. And particularly if you're at one of the larger schools, if you're going, you know, to Austin and those kind of things where your science classes are going to be hundreds of students in those classes, it's going to become really important for you to figure out some way to get in a relationship with a science instructor that is going to not have to ask the TA for the course Mm -hmm. what you were like or who you were, but is going to be a relationship that they can start talking about your personality. And I think this person can be a great doctor because they're, you know, so great at problem solving or they're really compassionate or whatever the particular um, competency that they're going to address is going to be. It's a lot better when they know you and research is a really great way um, to find that out as well. Plus, you know, just doing research is good. But Yeah. Very good. All right. Last one on this topic. I want to go to Baylor Medical School. Good. Do I have to go to Baylor undergrad? You don't have to. Um, One thing that's, I guess, kind of a misnomer, it makes sense, right? Particularly because we have the, you know, UT system and the ANN system, Mm -hmm. and now Baylor and TCU both are kind of set up with these systems. And so it starts feeling like you have to do that. Um, The Texas State Legislature, who funds all of these medical schools, including giving a significant amount of funding to the private schools like Baylor and TCU, does not allow the schools to reserve seats. So if you go to Baylor, that doesn't guarantee you that you're there. They can't hold a seat. Now, they can decide that they're going to interview you, and they can guarantee you an interview, so that's already a step up. But the other thing that can be useful is that if you really have your heart set on Baylor Medical School, there's a really good chance that the folks at Baylor University know what the Baylor Medical School people want, so mm-hmm. they're going to be able to kind of help mold you into kind of the ideal candidate for Baylor. Mm-hmm. But you certainly don't have to be there. We successfully, we're, we're getting a medical school, but we haven't had one yet, mm-hmm. and we're certainly successfully able to put people into other medical schools because it you don't want to have to your medical schools want diversity and they don't want as great as Baylor is they don't want a whole medical school class only full of Baylor (laughs) students so um, you you can't do that or your class isn't going to be great so I'm not going to say it makes no difference at all because it does make a little bit of a difference in the sense that they're kind of molding you in. And if you're on a campus where the medical school is now in Baylor, the Baylor Medical School isn't at Waco, but Mm -hmm. if you're on a place where the campus is there, you may also have some interactions with people on your admissions committees or whatever. So it could give you a foot up, but you definitely do not have to do that. And people are getting into medical schools all over um, without having to be there for sure. So is there anything as far as the pre-health professions here that that we haven't asked that you feel like we need to know about or did, did we cover it, you think? I think we got it for all of the stuff that requires graduate education. Um, you kind of had asked earlier about some of the nursing and um, occupational therapy and some of those things. And so one thing just kind of vocabulary-wise I might throw out there is when we divide these medical professions, we divide them up between the things that you need additional graduate work to do 
and what we call the practice-ready field. So nursing is a practice-ready field. Mm -hmm. And we get a lot of people who come in who say, I'm going to be a nursing major um, so that I can go on to medical school, right? It's a great plan B because, or they're feeling like it's a great plan B because if I don't get into med school, I'm still working in that field. And one thing to be aware of is just that that difference that it feels like it should be good, but it's really not that great as a plan B because nursing is a practice ready field, which means they have four years to get you ready to walk out and be a nurse. Mm -hmm. And they're going to do that through a lot of clinical work so that you're getting a lot of hands-on experience early on in that process. And there's simply not time in a quality nursing program for you to take these additional prerequisite courses. They have that program packed so full. Mm -hmm. In Texas, 120 hours is the most we can require you to take in a degree plan, and they need all of that to get you ready to be a nurse. And so there's not space to fit organic chemistry and Mm -hmm. some of these other classes that you need to prereq, because all those come with labs. And it just doesn't fit. And so that's not a great move. Nursing is a great field. And if you want to be a nurse, go and be a nurse. But because it's in that practice ready area, all those practice ready fields only have four years to get you ready. Whereas like medicine, you got four years to learn all the background information, plus another two years of didactic work where you're Mm -hmm. in the classroom learning what you need before you finally get to go see patients. So you've got six years of learning stuff in the classroom before you're seeing patients. And in a nursing program, you're going to be doing clinical rotations that sophomore. Mm -hmm. I mean, that first year of nursing school, um, which is usually your sophomore year. So that's um, kind of different when we're setting setting that process yeah. up. Yeah. Great. Thank you. So what about, um, so how is it different for like dentistry or um, like physical therapy and stuff like that? Because I know physical therapy now it's a doctorate program once right. you graduate. So now those programs are all looking kind of similar. Mm -hmm. There are different sets of prereqs that Mm -hmm. they want. Like if you want to go into physical therapy, you need a lot of physics background and kinesiology so that you're not telling people stretch this way and you're torquing your leg off, you know, that's (laughs) not going to work. So you need kind of a lot of physics and kinesiology. So the prerequisite coursework is different, but the process is largely Mm -hmm. the same. Um, The PT process, the interview cycle is a little bit shorter, so it's on a full 14 months, but overall it looks really similar as you Mm -hmm. go through there. So get in early with your pre-med office so that you can get the list of the prerequisite courses. The other big difference is prerequisite courses for medical schools across the United States look basically the same. The Texas schools all agreed on what they are all in Texas, but even if you're moving out of state, they're going to look pretty much the same. Um, Dentistry prerequisites aren't quite as uniform, but look the same as, you know, pretty close as you move across. But PT, PA, um, those are going to vary a lot from school to school. So those folks need to do a little more work um, earlier in the process to uh, maybe identify what schools they're most interested in mm-hmm. to make sure they're getting the prerequisites because, you know, some PA programs want you to have medical terminology before you get there. Some PA programs are like, oh, we'll teach you when you're here. It's it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to want to know and make sure you get all the prerequisites for the particular schools you're looking at. So if you're doing PT, OT, um, optometry, you've got a little more, or PA, you've got a little more upfront work you need to do to make sure you're hitting all the prereqs. Got it. Awesome. Okay. So you're getting ready to take a student on a campus tour. Your student wants to go into one of these worlds. 
what are the important questions for them to ask as far as uh, health pre-health advising and what's available, things like that? What are, what are those imperative questions? Right. So you want to know what kind of support your campus is mm-hmm. going to be giving you. Um, the easiest questions to ask are the ones kind of related to the application. You know, are you, is there a process to help me write these personal statements and walk through it? Will you at least read them and edit them? Do you have mock interviews on your campus? Um, the things that are going to really help you prepare for that. Mm-hmm. But you also want to focus on a little bit earlier things. What are, does your school help you get shadowing hours, particularly if you're, you know, you're grew up in Tyler, you're from Tyler. And then let's, you know, say you, end up at a school in Ohio. Like you may not have, a, you don't know a lot of people there. So how are you necessarily going to make the contacts? So what kinds of things does your school do to help you do that? Now, don't go expecting that you're going to be like, I'm going to walk in and be like, oh, I want to shadow a cardiologist. And they're mm-hmm. going to be like, oh, okay, it's a matchmaking service. Here's your cardiologist. <laughs> um, but what kind of networking things do they mm-hmm. have to introduce you to doctors? What are the student organizations that are on campus and how active are those organizations with the local healthcare um, community? So like we partner with the Smith County Medical Society um, regularly. So doctors that are in that are you know, active um, with our students as well. So those are good. And then you also want to know what kind of support students or services are on campus and how do the students access those? Is it easy to access them? And do they tell mm-hmm. you that there's a tutoring center and you can actually walk over and be in there? Or is it, you know, on some other campus that you've got to figure out yeah. how to get yourself to? Because even our brightest students are going to hit something that is hard for them to do and need to access those student support services. One really tempting question to ask that it feels like it should be a good question. Um, lots of student or parents in particular come in and they want to say, okay, what are your percentage? What percentage of your students are getting into <laughs> medical school? And that's n- not as useful as you think it would be. I mean, okay, obviously if they say 0%, maybe you don't yeah. want to be there. <laughs> um, but of the students that are in medical school right now, only about half of those students are getting in on their first application round. And so what does that number even mean when, when somebody says, like, well, what percentage? Do you mean on the first round of application or eventually that they get in? Um, and schools are also set up very differently. Some schools have a pre-med board that will interview students and only the students who pass that board are able to go on and apply. Like the school won't support their application otherwise. And then some schools don't do that. So I I personally don't think it's my job to decide who gets to apply to medical school. So we support all of our applicants, which means, I mean, I'm currently working with a student who has a 2.5 GPA and he's not going to be a competitive applicant. And we've talked about that, but he just really feels like this is something he needs to try. And if he doesn't check this application box off, he's going to spend his whole life wondering what what if. What if. Yeah. And so we're helping him through that application process, knowing this probably isn't going to be successful. Mm-hmm. So he's going to count against our numbers most likely, 
but I don't really feel like it's my place to tell him, like, no, yeah. we can't do this. So Learning opportunity. Exactly. And so many of those numbers can be manipulated around. And I will yeah. say, too, they also are tough because I will tell you, we spend a lot of time with students in, that are in those kinds of situations, just helping them find other opportunities, you know. So maybe you find out along the way medical school isn't going to work for you for whatever reason that is. It doesn't mean you can't be in healthcare. It just means that's not going to work. So maybe you don't need to be an MD physician. Maybe you need to be a PhD researcher. And helping students refocus when they figure out that that's not going to be their thing. And so I think that's another really important question mm-hmm. to work. If I come here intending to go to medical school and I find out along the way that that's not my path, what are you going to do to help me refocus and support me as I figure out what that next thing is? is sure wonderful i've learned a lot me too i've learned a lot but i'm excited for the next couple questions yeah okay so we always do a section where we do words of wisdom so oh you you got we this don't fancy, be worried we should have fancy music leading into the let's work on that nathan <laughs> okay. give us some fancy words of wisdom music it's time for words of wisdom da, da, da. like the nbc the more you know just a short something little. like that no i, we no, can't I feel do pressure that. to have, have like microphone. big words no though. <laughs> okay, so you actually just went through the college admission process with your daughter. I did. So this is more on the parent side. So what words of wisdom would you offer to parents who are preparing for this journey with their student? Start early. <laughs> <laughs> so our journey was a little bit weird and definitely COVID fixed. Yeah. And so when we went into the COVID stuff, we had a sophomore in high school mm-hmm. who got the end of her sophomore year kind of cut with COVID. Um, she got really restless and things were not like working well. So we were like, okay, you have to find something to entertain yourself and do this. So she decided to take 12 hours over the summer. Um, oh, wow. And so she enrolled in four summer courses. Wow to entertain herself during COVID, which in defense of us, okay, we're not these people that were like, you have to take school. Like we Uh were just kind of saying, find something to do. Um, But that ended up meaning when she came back in the fall, she was now a senior. So we sort of missed that whole junior year and we were like, oh, you're a senior. And initially we were like, don't worry about it. You'll gap. We'll just do a gap year. This will be fine. But it was a trying to find a gap program to do while COVID was raging mm. really yep. didn't work well. Uh-huh. So we were really late in this process. So she's now a senior and we're just now having conversations about college. So and we're doing it at a time that you can't go on college visits mm. and everything that you're doing to interact with people is strictly um, virtual. So, um, and we didn't even like, we were even struggling to sign up for SAT, ACTs. I mean, we signed up for the one at All Saints and mm-hmm. then the one we signed up for got canceled because yeah. of course or whatever. Right. So, um, yeah, so that was kind of a mess. And I think for us, the biggest thing would be just, I wish we would have already been having those conversations mm-hmm. and we're traveling a lot and we never really took the opportunity to, kind of fit a college visit in while we were over the summer. Like we were up in Columbus, but we didn't go visit. Um, just cause yeah. when we had a freshman and a sophomore, we we're like, Oh, that's too early. Colleges yeah. don't want to yeah. see us and talk to us. But then looking back on it, I think, you know, I wish we would have done those things because mm-hmm. at least she would have got some of those initial jitters of how do you act at a visit or whatever kind mm-hmm. of out of mm-hmm. the way. And we would have seen a few campuses, yeah. even if Ohio state wasn't, 
for her. She could have felt what a big school campus felt like versus right. a small school campus because I think that's a huge part of um, picking a school. I mean, obviously, we want our kids to go to the best schools that have the best academics and all that, but a huge part of it, too, is just, I think, matching the kid to the personality of the of the school yeah. like no you know your kid probably better than anybody else so you know if they go to a huge school are they going to get lost and just floating through that or is that what they need to really thrive because they need the diversity of environment yeah. to mm-hmm. find their people or do they need a smaller school where they're going to get kind of more individualized mm-hmm. attention and and fit into this particular groove or mold yeah um, it's like she's been listening to us when I we're know. not Paying attention. We say that all the time. Like, get on campus, see the campus. Just looking at it and walking around will give you a good sense of what it's going to be like. That's huge. And I wish we would have had more, like, more opportunity Mm -hmm. to do that because she ended up going to a school that when we went to drop her off was the very first time we had ever been Mm -hmm. on campus. And luckily, they did a great job with their virtual stuff so that the campus feel was very much the same as as what their recruiting, virtual recruiting stuff was. So she doesn't feel that. But I was really surprised when we got to the area, just the the community around it felt very different than what I had gotten over the virtual Mm -hmm. thing. And and we're lucky that it seems to be an okay fit, but I certainly, just the brain shift was jarring where I was like, oh, this is not... Mm-hmm. you know what I thought like we knew that it was a campus in a downtown area but when we got there I was like oh wow that's a lot more downtown <laughs> than you know than I had envisioned yeah. in my you know in my head yeah, yeah. So. good times okay. okay so watching your daughter go through the process what would you you talked about what kind of what you would do differently but what would you go back and give her advice on how she started her college process that's good. I think for her, she, you know, she was like, I think this is what I want to major in. And so she Googled and did research and found, you know, the top 10 programs in that area. And for her, that was really kind of like, okay, these are my 10 choices. This Mm -hmm. is where I'm going to do. Yep. Because these are the best programs and I'm a smart kid. So obviously I need to go to one of the top 10 programs. Mm -hmm. And it took us a really long time to, and maybe visits would have helped adjust a little bit to this, but it kind of took a long time to sort of get her thinking like, hmm, maybe it's not just about what the U.S. News and World Reports for my particular major is. <laughs> like, maybe I want to know what they have. So she's at a school that has a conservatory because she's very musically minded. She's not yes. a music major, but she selected that because she wanted to still have musical abilities and options and know that there'd be extracurricular activities that were music related on campus. Mm -hmm. And once she kind of got out of that mindset of like, you know, these are the top 10 schools. So these are the schools I'm going to. It was good. And I'll admit, like we were kind of in that mindset too at the beginning. And then we're looking, it really wasn't until she got the top 10 list and I'm looking at and I'm like, yeah, that that school that is the best in your field, like, I'm not really sure that's going to be an environment that you're going to thrive in. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really kind of took sort of me looking at that and being like, I really can't see you. Like, you're a quirky, creative kid. I'm not sure this, you know, strict sort of serious mm-hmm. environment, competitive environment yeah. is really where you're going to thrive um, and it kind of really took that 
sort of, you know, disparate connection for me to kind of be like, oh, wait, we need to be thinking about more things than yeah. just these people have the highest ACT entrance average or, yeah. you know, whatever. So Awesome. Again, it's like she listens in on our conversations. No. We, we talk about... We talk about fit over right. the reputation of the school. Yeah. So that's that's something. So I very much appreciate you saying yeah. that. That's that's great. Makes us feel better that it's not just us that think that. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's so easy just to get sucked into Absolutely. that. Like yeah. I went to the best school because you spend so much time thinking about like I'm going to make myself most competitive candidate possible mm-hmm. and get all yeah. this stuff up that it's easy to kind of get sucked into like, oh, yeah, I want you to go to the best school. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being yeah. here. This has thank been you. great. Awesome. Really appreciate it. Yes. I've learned. I really, truly, I've I learned a lot. I know. So. Are you going to like go back and listen to yes, this? Yes, I might listen to this one. I, I, so I hate the sound of my own voice. I have not listened to one of our episodes. <laughs> I know the but, feeling. But I might actually listen to this one. <laughs> we may use you in next year's presentation in some form or fashion. Ooh, that's frightening. <laughs> no, it'll no, be, it'll be great. All right. Well, thank you again thank you so much for being here we really appreciate it thanks for having me i've really enjoyed it yeah awesome all right well that is the end of today's episode be sure to subscribe to our channel so you get notifications every other thursday of our new episodes um be sure to follow us on facebook instagram or facebook and instagram at ascs college and that thanks for listening to another episode of the my college story podcast thank you that was awesome that really was yeah that was just dead on (laughs) 